Welcome back, everyone, to Anonymous Addiction, the programming podcast with Bobby C. I've been away for a while. I was back in Jersey visiting my mom. She's in a nursing home, so I spent a couple weeks there. I, I've been, I, I'll tell you, I, I miss this stuff, you know. All the subscribers, all the listeners, thank you. I appreciate it. I, you know, I just really appreciate whoever subscribes, whoever's listening to it. Uh, I know a lot of people listen to it later, but when they listen to it, they're listening to it now. So thanks a lot. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Press the subscribe button. Today, Daniel. Okay, we finally got Daniel here. Daniel and me are friends on Facebook. We kind of belong to a a, a few non-12-step uh, exiting, leaving AA programs, uh, groups. And um, Daniel's going to tell him so, uh, tell us about himself. He's going to introduce himself and tell us about the freedom model, which is very interesting. And he's got a lot to share about that. So here, here's, da here's Daniel. Hey, Bobby. Hey, everybody. Um, okay. Well, my name is Daniel Pilarje and I'm a coach at the freedom model for addictions. Um, so if you don't know what that is, please look it up. Um, basically, if you go into a number of deprogramming or leaving AA groups, um, a lot of people quote us as being um, the deprogramming um, book or the deprogramming program. Um, so uh, obviously, I want to talk about that. But first off, I thought it might be a really good idea if I introduce myself. And that's um, pretty much the format that we agreed uh, upon with Bobby. So I um, started getting loaded. I was about tw 12 years old was the first time I got drunk for the first time. I've fell in love with it. And for the next 17 years, my life was pretty much all around drugs. Um, so I got my life together at the age of 29. I'm 48 now. So if you do the math, that was just over 19 years ago. And I spent a big chunk of that in Narcotics Anonymous. And then the, towards the very end, I was spending time in Alcoholics Anonymous as well. Um, so basically, when I stopped going regularly to meetings, I it been 12 years. And so I had what you would call 12 years clean or 12 years sober, depending on what fellowship you're in. And I had more meetings than days without drugs. Um, and uh, through the entire process, I decided that I wanted to become a substance abuse counselor. And that's part of what initiated uh, my leaving the fellowships is when I started learning the truth about um, both addiction, recovery, and, you know, ultimately substance use. And all, everything I learned pretty much took me to um, the freedom model. And that's where I'm at today. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I'm sure you have a number of questions for the viewers um, that, are that I can expand on. Um, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, Daniel, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Like I said, we, we hooked up on Facebook and, you know, matter of fact, I have the book in front of me here. There's the Freedom Model book. And uh, I just have to say to the viewers, Daniel's going to share some things, what he's learned and appreciated from the Freedom Model, from the book itself, from Mark and Michelle and, and uh, uh, Stephen over there. And I think Stephen's in New York now. And uh, 
Matthew, who's who's you and Matthew kind of hook up and, and do a coaching session. You do some videos, which I, I've been posting on my uh, t- check out Anonymous Addiction at My Truth About AA as Bobby C sees it, private group. And uh, Daniel just, uh, matter of fact, he joined, I think, last week. But check, check it out because I'm going to be sending a lot of videos from uh, Matthew and Daniel over to our group. So you could watch them or just go to the freedom model, you know, go right, right to the freedom model on Facebook and check it out. Yeah. But I don't, I, you know, tell us a little bit more about the, when you guys hooked up, you know, how did that all come about? How did you, you know, when did you get the book? Uh, uh, how, how did you join? Like, how did you, uh, how did Mark and Michelle say, Hey, come on, start coaching with us. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I decided that I wanted to become a counselor, and this was back in 2015. Um, so I registered to my local college. I'm in Quebec, so it's in French, but it's uh, basically a certificate from the uh, Department of Medicine at the university in basically what they call addiction. You know, here it's a toxicomania, which means a, a toxic mania, I guess you would call it. But yeah, basically it's substance abuse. And um, one of my teachers, she basically started off the class. This was like my very first few classes. She started off her class with a series of questions about um, smokers. And this, I found out later, was Stanton Peel's series of questions um, that he asks when people um, go to his lectures. And that really hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, because... I quit smoking a year before I quit doing drugs, you know, and I struggled with my, with smoking for a long time. You know, I started smoking, I was about 12. And so I, I was smoking for basically about 15 year, 15 or so odd years. And half of that time I quit at least once a week, right? At least once a week, I would decide it's over. I'm done. I never want to have a cigarette ever again. And, you know, I usually did not last more than a few hours. I don't remember ever lasting more than 24 hours, like a full day. I don't think I ever lasted that long. Um, and that's really because like, because like I never really addressed the mode. I never addressed the reasons why I smoked. And, um, you know, I didn't have any real motivation to stop smoking except for, well, it's bad for me. Right. So um, ultimately, I did end up smoking, stopping smoking. You know, I found a good enough reason to stop. And so I stopped and it had been a year when I decided to stop doing drugs. So I started going to the meetings and so on and so forth. But to get to the smoking, when, um, like I said, when I was in college, I got these questions by Stanton Peel. um, And they were basically, do you know, uh, what's the toughest addiction to quit? And then, you know, people invariably say, well, smoking, you know, if you go to an AA meeting, like you got a lot of people that stop drinking, they stop smoking crack and so on and so forth. But, you know, they're out there smoking their cigarettes. And then if then he, he asked people, well, you know, um, do you know anyone who quit smoking? And of course, pretty much everyone knows someone who quit smoking because um, it's the most stopped, uh, quote unquote, addiction. Right. And that's that's when you look at percentages, it's actually one of the least quit drugs, but because there's so many people that stop, um, the number of people who have stopped is extremely high. So pretty much everybody knows people who've quit smoking. 
And then the last question is, well, did they have to go to therapy or rehab or go to meetings or any of that stuff, any form of treatment in order to stop smoking? And the, the, the answer is obviously no. You know, you got a few people that will use gums and patches and, you know, go, go see the hypnotist and so on and so forth, you know, but that's a very select few. The vast majority of people that quit smoking, they just wake up one day and for whatever reason, they decide it's over. And they decide that they'd be better off without smoking than with smoking. And they move on from that. Um, so that really hit me, you know, because I just spent like thousands and thousands of hours at meetings. And um, I was really, really involved in service. I was really involved in helping out the newcomer. So I'd spent all this try time trying to help people um, to basically do something that, you know, if it did work out, it was based on their own decision. They didn't need my help. They didn't really need my support. You know, it was just up to them to get to that point in their life where they're like, you know what, I, I'll be better off without it and just move on. Um, and so that, that, yeah, like I said, that really hit home and that really got me questioning a lot of stuff. And um, through through looking for answers, you know, I asked my teachers uh, a lot of questions, a lot of um, very difficult questions. You know, I found out that the vast majority of people with a drug problem uh, end up moving on, right? Over 90% of people quit. I think a lot of people don't know that, you know, that 99% of cocaine users, uh, I, I'm talking like people that would be called quote unquote addicts, right? Uh, eventually get over their cocaine use. They, they just move on. You know, it's like 96% for opioids and so on and so forth. Um, so this is not the message that I was getting in the meetings at all, you know, and I'd never sat down to question that message simply because my only experience was, you know, through either my friends that I, you know, I'd left behind or the meetings, you know, and people in the meetings, um, you're not getting that kind of success numbers. You know, they're indoctrinating it into like this really horrible belief system. So, you know, over time, a lot of people still manage to get over the issue, but it's a lot less. You know, I've never seen so many suicides and overdoses in my entire life. And, you know, I hung around some pretty messed up crowds when I was getting loaded, um, but nothing like what I saw in the rooms. So, um, yeah, that got me really questioning things. And going through as much information as I could, I made a deal with the smartest kid in my, in one of my classes. And he was, he was also a 12 step member, but he was someone who was relatively new into the 12 step stuff. So he wasn't really indoctrinated too much. And the deal we made was you're going to study everything that teachers give us for homework. And I'm going to read as much information on the outside as I can. And together, you know, we'll get the grades to pass to get the to get our diplomas and we'll get some proper answers because I really felt like I wasn't going to get any straight answers from college and through that process it was around 2017 I found uh Steven's blog and on there he said well I wrote a book blah 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 and so I contacted St. Jude's and I don't remember who I talked to I remember it was a girl I talked to a girl over the phone and I ordered the book. It wasn't even on Amazon yet. So it cost me something like 30 or 40 bucks in shipping because I'm off in Canada, right? So they had to do like this special shipping thing. Um, so it really cost me a lot of money comparatively to, you know, buying it on Amazon today. Um, but I didn't care. 
you know, like I was like, man, whoever wrote this blog, like everything in here, I'm like, if he's compiled these ideas into a book, this is really a compilation of the best stuff that I found through my own personal digging. And so, um, yeah, I just um, ended up with a freedom model book and I got to talking to Michelle and Mark. Um, Stephen wasn't around much at that point. Um, especially on Facebook. And then they started off a Facebook group and I, I pretty much like would answer as many questions on the Facebook group to people who were struggling with understanding stuff. And so they noticed me, you know, they were like, oh, this guy, you know, like he seems to understand what we're about. And I think that's because we can relate on so many levels. You know, they are both like ex um, members that spent a lot of times and a lot of time in the rooms. And, you know, unlike a lot of people who've left the fellowships, I'm someone who really, really loved it there. I really had a good time. Um, I did not make tons and tons of friends. You know, I had a very select group of people, but um, the people that I had, I cherished and I really, I really loved the environment. I really loved the fact that I would meet all these people, you know, it was just, to me, it was really disappointing that so many people didn't stick around. You know, that was one thing that I, I found very hard was, you know, you try to make a new friend and like six months later, he's gone, you know? Um, so eventually, you know, I did, I did make a couple of, of friends, um, and none of those people are still in the rooms at this point. You know, they're either dead or, you know, we're still friends, but they want nothing to do with 12 step anymore. They've just moved on with their life. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, that's that's how I found the freedom model. And when they decided that they were going to start switching to a more of a digital format and they wanted to do a lot of online coaching and help people through the Internet, uh, Mark reached out to me and he was like, yeah, you know, uh, do you want to be part of the team? And that was the, that was the greatest gift that they could have given me, you know, because at that point I was working in what you guys call in the States, a sober living house. You know, I'd worked in a detox um, slash rehab, and then I was in a sober living house and it, it was pretty miserable on many levels, you know, um, that the messages that the guys would, and the girls would vehiculate to each other were just very, very toxic messages and so, of course, we had a perpetual cycle of the same people coming back over and over again and just struggling all the time. Um, so, yeah, they, they gave me a shout out and um, I went through the training with them and now I'm an online coach with them. And, uh, you know, like you said, both me and Matthew, who's another coach, we have um, a show that's every first and third Wednesday of the month. Um, if People look up the Freedom Model for Addictions. Um, it's on YouTube, on Facebook, and I believe on Twitter. So anyways, we do a live every two weeks where we answer the community's questions to the best of our ability. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where, where I'm at right now. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, we have a lot in common. Uh, Daniel and I talked off, off of, off of, you know, off online for probably about, two hours, first time an hour, second time probably an hour. So we got to know each other and we have a lot, lot in common. You know, here, here's the deal. You, you mentioned smoking cigarettes. Well, today I am smoke-free, cigarette-free, tobacco-free, whatever you want to call it. Do I pick a coin up? Am I celebrating five years, two years, one year, six months? No, I don't do that. 
Well, it's the same with, I'm alcohol free today. I'm drug and alcohol free. Today, I don't celebrate any of those things. Now, is it a good thing? I, I would imagine, I think it's a good thing, maybe 90 days, maybe a year you celebrate. Hey, you achieved something. Okay, let's move on from there. Let's achieve some more things, you know. Uh, to me, alcohol and drugs, this is, this is only my take. To me, alcohol and drugs today is not, uh, I, I don't have to maintain anything. It's just my lifestyle. I don't even think about it. You know, I just don't do it. It's just like I don't do a lot of other uh, harmful uh, behaviors for my body, you know, because I believe in the body, mind, and spirit. And I believe my body's a temple and I, I kind of respect that. So I watch what I put into it. Not that I don't eat all kinds of crap and everything. And, you know, I think the biggest addiction probably out there could be sugar. I don't know, but maybe. But uh, I can relate to a lot. You're talking about smoking. Yeah, I don't go around to Smokeaholics Anonymous meetings. You know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to collect chips and I don't have to brag about my, uh, my, I don't smoke anymore. Or I don't have to go around telling everybody uh, don't smoke. If somebody came to me and say, hey, Bobby, can you got some tips on not smoking? I would, you know, give them same thing as alcohol or drugs. I would give people tips. Now, I'm the type of person that I read, you know, I read books, I read things, I research everything. I always say, listen, think, question, observe, and become aware of your surroundings, even if it's a book or if it's a YouTube or if it's a listener or if it's a guru, mentor, I don't care who it is. You know, I check out a lot of things. I'm not a fanatic in one thing. Now, in the Freedom Model book, I don't buy everything in there. I mean, that's just me. And I wouldn't expect, you know, look, if I read a book and, and I read it and if I'm like, this is it, this is the only way, this is it. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Is there a lot of great things in the Freedom Model book for me? Yes, there is. Do I believe everything? No. Okay. And I have the right to do that. And I think that's the freedom. That's the freedom of the freedom model and this podcast right now. It's the power of choice. It's the power of belief because we all know whatever we can conceive and believe we can achieve because it is mind is so powerful. Okay. So I, I, I overall, I, you know, I don't believe everything. And I believe this is just a big book. This is a big book. This is way, way bigger than the big book because the big book's only 164 pages. How in the hell can you can you learn anything from 164 pages? Because it's the Alcoholics Anonymous doctrine, you know, it's the principles, it's the AA 12 steps, 12 traditions, 12 concepts. And I'll tell you what, they, they say there's there's only suggestions. That's a bunch of BS because they pump it into you constantly. Now, if you if they're not going to get you now, they'll get you later with something. Okay. And and Daniel can tell you about that because. He stayed in for a while and he didn't buy everything. And, and it took him a while to get, you know, really washed through with the brainwashing and, and the cult mentality of Alcoholics Anonymous. Tell us a little bit about how you got indoctrinated really deep into the end at the end. And you really got into them books. Show us some. Maybe yeah. you have some around. Yeah. Yeah. I actually um, I piled a bunch here. But so basically what happened with me was I went to I went to my first I went to an AA meeting I had a friend who was in AA and she dragged me off to AA one day and so I went home you know I'd seen um the big book and the basic text which is the Narcotics Anonymous book I'd seen them in the jail library you know I, I was in jail just before 
uh, back in 2003. I just got out of jail. I went to go with friend, my friend's place. And so she dragged me off to an AA meeting. I wanted to spend the day with her. So I went to her place and, you know, I, I went home, got loaded and thought, yeah, maybe I should stop drinking, you know, because basically the, I talked to this guy outside. He kept on talking about his blackout drinking and blah, blah, blah. And I could somewhat relate to that because, you know, like I drank to the point of blackout. God knows how many times. Um, but I was what you call like all dressed. You know, I really liked a lot of substances. I didn't stick to like just alcohol. Um so I went home, got loaded, thought about that. And, and then I went back on, on a pretty bad bender for a couple of weeks. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I really have to stop. This is, this, this is too much. I'm going to, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. I don't want to go back to jail. You know, I don't want to keep on screwing up my life. I'm going to be 30 soon. I got to get my shit together. And, you know, ironically, that's usually around the age that a lot of people will stop is as, as they approach 30. So um, I decided that I was going to go to Narcotics Anonymous because, you know, I was like, well, you know, like I really like doing lots of drugs, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous is not going to be for me because they they're just a bunch of drunks. So I went to my local Narcotics Anonymous meeting and in there I was told the basic four suggestions. This is I heard this at my very first meeting. Uh, do 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor. Take the steps. Get involved in service. Now, the only thing I understood about that is do 90 meetings in 90 days. I didn't know what the hell the steps were. I didn't know what a sponsor was. I didn't know what they meant by service. I was like, yeah, I guess I just should do the 90 and 90 and I'll figure out this other stuff as I go along. And so, of course, um, I had uh, this old guy who uh, approached me on my third meeting and we got to talking and da, da, da. And so by then I'd understood, you know, I that I needed to have some type of mentor. So I asked him, do you want to be my sponsor? And that didn't really work out too well because he didn't want to take me through the steps quite yet. He was like, take your time with that. And I was like, eh, that doesn't make much sense, buddy. So I ended up getting another sponsor and I went through a couple of guys before I actually got someone that I was really happy with. Um, but that's how I kind of jumped in. And during those 90 meetings in 90 days, the thing that I found the most profoundly shocking is I would see people that would come in and they would pick up a newcomer key tag. Like in, in a, we, I don't know how it is down in California, but here in Quebec, they give people an envelope, you know, that's got a bunch of paperwork in it and stuff. Um, but in Narcotics Anonymous, you get a key tag. And so these people would come and pick up the newcomer key tag, the white key tag, um, and they would be crying and, oh, my, I had 14 years and I relapsed and my life is a mess and blah, blah, blah. And I'd never see him again, you know, and I saw so many people like that. You know, I must have seen like 20 or 30 people in this in that span of 90 days. And that scared the living crap out of me because I'd really made a decision um, to, to quit. You know, I didn't want to have anything to do with doing drugs anymore. And I knew how much of a nightmare it was to be ambivalent about stuff because I'd struggled with the idea of stopping smoking for so many years. So I'm like, I'm not going through that roller coaster with drugs. Like that's not happening. Fuck that. And so um, I just, you know, uh, in, in, a, in French, they say, uh, shut the fuck up and sit in the front. Yeah. Right. 
So that's what I did, right? I just shut up, you know, and, and A, they'll say, take the cotton out of your mouth and put it in your ears. And that's quite literally what I did. You know, I just stuffed my ears full of, I uh, stuffed my mouth full of cotton and, you know, sat in the front and listened. Um, and so I was suggested to buy the book. So I got the book and that's, um, I got a couple of copies here. This is a second edition basic text for people who know Narcotics Anonymous history. They know the value of this book. This is a very, very uh, rare edition. I have a third edition revised as well. And I have a baby blue basic text over here. Um, so that's basically the book that I sat down and read over and over and over again. Um, because at the same time, I was hearing all these weird messages from people. So I was like, you know what? I want to follow the actual guidance from the book that's called Narcotics Anonymous. You know, because I don't want to be deluded into being one of those guys who had like 14, 15, 13 years, whatever it is, coming back, crying. I relapsed. My life is shit. And then disappear. And, you know, as far as I was concerned, man, they're probably off there and in some hole in some ditch somewhere, you know, getting loaded and bawling their eyes out because they've ruined their lives. I just didn't want to be that guy. Um, so I stuck to the literature. I did try doing the step work at first. Um, so I did like, um, I went, I, I, I did my fifth step. Um, I actually did it with a priest, um, because I didn't trust anybody in the rooms. So I went to like a low, I went to a church that I, you know, I'd never been to. I'm not a religious guy. I went, I knew that, um, these guys basically dedicated their, their lives to keeping secrets. So I went to a church and I talked to the priest and basically what he told me was like, kid, you know, like you have your whole life ahead of you. So just take the past, chuck it in the bin and move on, you know? And that was very helpful for him, from, from him. Um, I also was on um, parole because uh, I was out of jail, but I was on parole. So uh, the committee decided that because I was going to meetings, that was not enough. And so they forced me to go to an outpatient um, clinic. And I actually had a really, really good counselor. And the odd thing is we never talked about my substance use. He basically said to me, um, listen, I can help you with your issues, but I only have one requirement and that's that you don't get loaded. You know, if you are no longer abstinent, I cannot be your counselor. You have to like find someone else because, you know, I don't deal with that crap. Um, so that was, that was very helpful as well. He, he didn't believe any of the AA stuff, but I only found that out um, with, with hindsight in some of his comments but he was very helpful in helping me to avoid a few of the traps of the fellowships. Um, so yeah, I, I basically, I was not much of a true stepper for like the first 10 years. Um, you know, when I got to step six, it says we were entirely ready. And I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? And then I found a guy when I had, uh, when, when I hit 10 years, I found a guy um, on YouTube, actually, he had a, a video series on the steps and they actually made a lot of sense. He was an AA guy. So I, I managed to reach out to this guy and we got to talking and he explained how to, you know, he'd already pretty much explained everything in the videos, but you know, we, I asked him a few questions and he, he helped me to sort stuff out. And so I went through the entire um, process through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then I started uh, proselytizing that for basically like two years. And um, that's kind of what drove me to become a counselor. You know, I was like, oh, I, you know, I was doing so much of this stuff. 
Um, but what was weird was most people were, it's, it wasn't working. You know, I take them through the steps, you know, they'd reveal all these crazy things to me. Like, like I, I think I have some type of like trauma from all the insane stuff that I've heard from people, you know, cause in the process of two years, I listened to over a hundred steps. Um, and some people have some very, very, very disturbed lives. Um, so, uh, that guy ultimately, and it, you know, when we talked, I said, listen, I only have like, out of all these people, I only have like one guy that's gone through the whole thing. And that's out there actively, um, trying to do step work with people. And he was like, yeah, that sounds about right. And I was like, hold on. That sounds about right. That's not the numbers that are in the book, right? In the book, they say that it's like 75% success or something. And ultimately that guy, um, went back out drinking and he killed himself in a hotel room. Now his step work videos are still up on YouTube and um, you can look them up. It's uh, I think they're called back to basics. It, and uh, so anyways, his stuff is up on YouTube. If you read the comments, it's kind of disgusting because you have like two types of comments. You have all these comments from people that have no idea who this guy is, who are saying, Oh my God, this is like the best explanation of a, you're so helpful. Oh, you've helped me through the steps and so on and so forth. And like I said, I could totally get the sentiment because like it was the first time that I had a better understanding of like the program in itself. Um, but then you have a few comments from people who actually knew the guy and their comments were like, they're pretty harsh. You know, they're like, dude, like, you know, that guy's ego got in his way and blah, blah, blah. You know, ultimately he paid with his life. You know, he fell into the trap and he paid with his life. Um, which is really sad because, you know, like I said, we talked, he was a really nice guy, um, but it didn't work out for him. Um, and that's, that's because he never let go of the belief of the magical powers of alcohol, you know, and I, I forget which one of those four videos it is, but he, there is a video where he mentions it. And I think this example is a really good example. He says, you know, if, that he found a, a can of something that when you drink it, it solves all your problems. And he's like, you'd be a fool to not keep on doing that. And I agree. I agree. If alcohol actually solved all my problems, I, I'd be drunk like all the time, you know, like you'd, you'd have to be a fool to not continue um, doing that. But somehow um, by the grace of God, he was now recovered and so on and so forth, you know, but like I said, he never resolved that issue. So when life, hit him with a series of problems he ended up uh drinking again and ultimately he paid with his life yeah that's sad we see that what did they say they said we only have five minutes left so we're going to kind of we're going to kind of do another podcast we're going to do a part two on this i'm going to see if daniel can stick around for another maybe half an hour not on air but uh, after because i have to post this on the youtube it'll take me a while but we'll, we'll talk about that but you're going to see a part two on this uh, they, they say stuff in AAs, you know, some shall die so others can live, you know, knowing that, you know, it's a, it's a swinging door, this word relapse, you know, all these words that they use, which we don't buy anymore, you know, the Freedom Model, uh, my podcast, a lot of people that I know, we don't buy any of the labels, you know, alcohol, like alcoholism, disease, uh, clean, you know, uh, celebrations, constant celebrations, we don't buy into the labels uh, any anymore because we know it's a myth. It's it's a it's a mechanism to keep us stuck, to keep us in, to keep us coming back. 
it's well-designed. It's a well-designed multi-level marketing pyramid, I say it, and uh, I, I kind of demonstrate it. We still have four minutes left. Like I said, me and Daniel have a lot, a, a lot of stuff in common. I went to a priest, too, to do my uh, fifth step. You know, when I went to this priest, you know what he told me? It, this, is, this is the crazy part. He told me, he said, Bobby, make the big book your Bible. That's what he said. Make your big book the Bible and your meetings your church. And that's exactly what it is. He knew yeah. it. He knew it. Yeah. He knew it to be a religion. And guess what? This father, this priest, he started ACOA. Adult children of alcohol. Yeah. And the women loved him. I mean, he used to have women pour into his church. And eventually he took off his collar and started a uh, retreats and he started programs. And it, he's still there today, you know. And he's helping a lot of people in different ways, too, because I don't think he buys all the uh, AA, uh, AA, AA stuff. But he's got a lot of indoctrination from the Catholic Church. You know, I believe it's kind of linked together the Catholic Church and I described that on a bunch of my podcasts how the Catholic Church and AA is like like this and how the cults within a cult you know let, 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 let's just say even even this new secular AA OS BS you know for the agnostic and the atheist it's the same thing it's just Two wings of the same bird, which is Alcoholics Anonymous. And they're trying to make it. It's, that's a cult within a cult. They're trying to change the narrative, but they're never going to change AA because AA is just letting them in a little bit. You know, they, 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 they let them do a book, uh, The God Word, and they let them do a, a little tiny book called The, uh, the Big Tent. Okay. That's, mm -hmm. that's for the secular and agnostics. But if you're in a secular and agnostic, start your own. I always say create your own program. And I believe, Daniel, I, quest, I asked Daniel this before, and he really couldn't understand what I was saying. But I believe Daniels had created his own program. Okay, I believe the freedom model is a pointer. And a lot of things are pointers. Stan, Stanley, Stan, Stanton Peel is a pointer. There's a lot of pointers to the way. But it's our way. We create by, by like Daniel said, researching. Don't stop researching. Don't stop listening, questioning, observing, and becoming aware. And do a bunch of research. Uh, we have a minute and 55 seconds left. Daniel, sign us off, and then we're going to go do another uh, a, a part two podcast uh, later this, this week or maybe even today. So what do you got to say? We got one minute left. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, the freedom model is really about sorting through a lot of the nonsense that's um, that we believe culturally. And as we sort through that nonsense, um, you know, we pretty much like change our minds on a lot of things, because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that the, the only thing that can change you is you, you know, like you have to make that decision in your life. Um but uh, I'm not sure exactly what uh, your viewers would like us to discuss further. So I would really invite them to ask a number of questions and hopefully we can go through that um, because we, I, we will talk more about the freedom model, obviously. Um, and for those who are interested, you can go to thefreedommodel.org and get a free copy of our book by entering coupon code FREEDOM100. Um, or, you know, you could just reach out to me on Facebook or come to the Freedom Model 
um, group on Facebook and you will, you know, if you ask questions, we'll do our best to address them. And, you know, you'll see if you go through any of those processes, you'll see that there's, we have a number of different options for people, you know, so it go, it ranges everywhere from the free book to the online program um, to one-on-one -on -one coaching via Zoom, kind of like what um, we're doing now, except it's one-on-one -on -one coaching going through the entire curriculum. Um, and yeah, you know, if, if you're struggling as well with uh, moving on from the fellowship, whatever fellowship you're in, um, you're welcome to reach out 